to For the Love of God Podcast. For the Love of God Podcast. Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! Okay, welcome back, everybody. Today, uh, right now, I am running solo, but I do have a guest. Dr. Deborah Dean joins us today, and we are going to talk about what she has going on, which is a amazing ministry that, well, I guess... W- We'll let her talk about it. She can do a lot better job than I can. Deborah, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Jason. I'm good. I'm good. It's a good day and uh, glad to be here. So thank you. So let's, before we get into what you're doing now, let's kind of start where you started from. Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. Um, Born and raised Catholic. I was baptized, you know, as a as a baby in the Catholic Church, and um, I went to Catholic schools. And then I remember, um, probably middle school, I saw my grandpa go into the Baptist Church, and he took his Bible, read his Bible, and I didn't have that in the Catholic Church. Um, I felt like he had something I didn't have, and so. That was probably my first longing for a deeper relationship with Christ. And it, uh, you know, I remember my mom saying, when you're 18, you can do what you want. But until now, you'll until then, you'll stay in the Catholic Church. So I did and stayed in the Catholic Church. And then um, shortly after that, moved over to the Baptist Church and was baptized again as an adult there. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey. Um, I'd say that that's kind of my easy testimony. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a journey of, of learning and listening and thinking that I'm maturing. And then um, God saying, yeah, not quite yet. You're not there yet. So keep going. And so it's also been a journey of some, you know, tragedy and heartache, it, just because we're Christian doesn't mean we we don't have trials and tribulations. So it's been, right. you know, quite a bit of that. But with that, I think that's where we grow the most with our relationships with yeah. Christ. And so it's uh, now I'm, you know, trying to trying to live my life for him, trying to completely surrender every day and be obedient to him. That's great. Yeah, I had a similar experience growing up in the Catholic Church and um my mother and my sisters are still practicing Catholics and uh, I tried to educate them to where there's the teaching isn't a hundred percent directed towards Jesus or yeah. anything else. You know, they have a lot of, a lot of things I don't agree with. And so yeah. they don't seem to see it, but hopefully Hopefully their eyes will open one day. Now, do you, have you, I assume your mother and father still around? My mom is. My dad passed away in 2018. Um, and then, but my mom, she's still um, 
she lives in Kentucky. She's Catholic and pretty much they don't go to church because of COVID, but they watch mass every week on TV. And um, now she'll go with me when I'm in town. We go to the local non-denominational church and mm-hmm. she'll go with me to that. And she enjoys it. Right. Um, you know, I remember it was 1999 and my brother passed away. He was in a car accident oh. and that was a pretty pivotal moment for me because I felt like I went to the Catholic church banging on the doors thinking I have to get inside to pray. I have to get inside to kneel and light a candle and pray. And um, my husband, well, he's my husband now, but then we were just dating and he said, you don't have to be in that building. You can talk to God from anywhere. That's right. For me, I felt like I had to be there and I had to go through those rituals and, and everything just to, connect with God. So it's, like I said, it's been a journey, um, but it's, it's been a good one. Yeah. So, so you started a ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, where did that stem from? I mean, where did, where did it all start before you, before you got to where you're at now? Yeah. So I never thought I'd go into um, ministry or work in a church or do anything like that. I, I was completely content working in corporate. I had a nice cushy job in corporate for 25 years and, um, fully expected to retire from there. My, my mom has worked for the same law firm for over 40 years. And my grandpa worked for the same furniture company for probably 40 years. So, um, being loyal to your employer is something that was just ingrained in me. And I thought that's what I would do too, but things changed. Um, I earned my PhD in 2017. Like I said earlier, my dad died in 2018. So between the two of those things, I was really questioning life and what my purpose was. And um, is this it? Is this all we are here for is to show up to work and make a paycheck and pay bills and, (laughs) you know, work to live? I'd, I'd love to be able to to just live and not feel like I have to work 60 hours a week. So um, a lot of prayer went into that process. And through that, the ministry was born. Um, it, It became more and more clear as time went on. I think one thing that sort of frustrates me is um, I want the big picture today. You know, I want to know my 10 year plan like today and God gives you baby steps. So when I um, left corporate in 2018, then it was a process of questioning, praying, listening, looking for wisdom and direction from God of next steps. And where I would think he was having me start a business. Now I can see, you know, three years later, almost four years later, I can see that um, we were starting a ministry, not a business. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us about your ministry. Okay. So it's called His Kingdom Matters. And it is an answer to prayer for people that, um, whether you just want a good, solid Bible study, or you're looking for a way to feel like you belong. Um, When I worked in corporate, especially the last 10 years or so, I felt like I was a lone soldier, the only Christian. I felt like I was um, just, there was a 
misalignment between my value system and the workplace. So for people like that, that feel like, you know, am I doing this all by myself? There's got to be more to life than this. His Kingdom Matters comes in in partners and we we just go through the scripture together and mm-hmm. learn what is God calling us to do? Um, how can we be bold and courageous? And how can we live out the you know, greatest commandment of loving God and loving people and um, sharing the gospel with everybody. Right. Now, did this start out as something you were doing um, without monetization or did it start oh, with monetization and turn into a mission? How did that all work out? Yeah. So starting in 2018, I quote, retired from corporate um, in November, and I'm the primary breadwinner. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, you know, the the following month, December 2018, I had to pull money out of my retirement account to to fund this. Mm -hmm. And that meant, how do I learn to market? How do I learn to brand? How do I put this together in a usable content so I can share it with the world. There was a lot of expense that went into building the ministry um, really since then. And it was a process that I have fully funded myself. Um, I was talking with someone the other day and they asked if I had a windfall and I said, no, but that would be great. Um, Because, you know, starting a ministry, is just like starting a business. You have a lot of expenses with, um, you know, your startup cost and, and all the technology that goes into it, it's online. So at least I don't have a brick and mortar store that I have to lease on a monthly basis, but it's still online. And plus all of the content itself, um, you know, I, I have a PhD. So just the fact of how much it took for me to learn to do what I do is an expensive process. Um, so yes, it started out, just me building it because I was trying to be obedient to God and follow his plan. And then realizing, Hmm, I'm going to have to pay some bills here. So starting to ask for uh, donations into the ministry, this includes membership subscriptions. Um, so folks that want to jump in, it's uh, 319. We use that for, or 316. We use it for John 316. So $316 a year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which really, when you think about it, $316 a year to join a ministry that you have fresh content every month. It's a Bible study. We have monthly um, get togethers virtually. We, this Friday morning, we'll have a prayer group that's open to the public. And then once a month, we have a, uh, like a coaching session, a group coaching session where we, we get together as members to talk about the content, talk about life, talk about how to integrate scripture into our life. Um, and when you think about it, $316 a year, I spend over a hundred dollars a month for my son to go to archery. And I just, every, um, probably three months, we're spending a thousand dollars for him to play basketball. So I thought, well, 316, it's, it, that's the main goal is to let people know about Jesus and it's enough that people can um, help support the ministry and keep the lights on. Right. Now that can be a very controversial thing for some people. Um, ministering Jesus 
it, well, A, it's a 24-hour job. Mm-hmm. And we're all ministers of Christ, um, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine you put a lot of time into this. It's a full-time thing. Uh, I wish, I mean, just dealing with this podcast is... I wish I had more time in a week to handle it. It it gets kind of overwhelming at times. So I can imagine how much you have to put into something that it's all you're doing. So, right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I can tell you, I have never worked this hard in my life. Right. I'm working 16 hours a day at least. It's just nonstop. And it's, you know, it's talking with people, just like I I mentioned earlier before we got on the call, it's going to meet with people because part of ministering is relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's meeting with people, networking with people, reading um, scripture, reading all sorts of commentaries, just really understanding what it is that God is trying to teach us today and how we can take scripture and make it relevant today and integrate it into our life all seven days of the week. It's more than a full-time job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was at the point to where I could do this full-time. And, but unfortunately I don't have, I have to make the money. And so I had to stay with my career to do that. And I can't at this point see enough donations or anything to come in to where I can just leave my job and fully devote myself to ministry. But, um, right. My colleagues and I had a conversation about charging people to receive the word and, and get Bible studies and, because there's so many people out there that do it for free, but they have other means of income mm-hmm. for one. Like a lot of them is doing like YouTube videos. Pastors would be doing YouTube videos. Well, a lot of their YouTube videos are them at church doing their thing mm-hmm. or after church in their office, you know, and, they're, they're still making an income and right. whether you like it or not, a lot of them with a lot of followers on YouTube are getting paid through YouTube. Exactly. So whether you charge a subscription or you get it another way, you're, you're still getting, you're still getting an income from it in some form. So, yeah. and I don't think I, I am on your side. I think um, $316 a year to get weekly or monthly? It's monthly content. Okay, monthly content. But it's tons of information. So it gives you a way to, you know, depending on your schedule, you can, um, I have video content. I have PDF downloads. We um, have all sorts of information within the the membership site. So if you're busy that month, maybe you just watch the 10 minute video and you call it good. But if you have the time and you're really um, engaged and you want to learn more, you could spend every single day doing something new and different with this content, the way it's designed. 
You have opportunities for, you have group meetings, correct? Where yes. they can discuss what they've learned from the, from the study yes. and everything. So they can dive a little deeper and get some answers. And yes. um, so mm-hmm. how is there, is there a good participation from your subscribers that join those meetings or? Yeah, not yet. Um, we launched in June and of this year. Have, mm-hmm, oh, of this okay. year. So it's still a process. We have this past month, um, our Bible or our prayer meeting, we had about eight people show up because they come and go. I stay on the line for an hour and people can come and go and ask for prayer or pray as they want to within that one hour um, block of time. So we have people coming and going. And then the membership group that we meet monthly this past um week or this past month, we had one that showed up. Sometimes I have two. It just depends on who's going to show up and, and what, um, you know, what they want to get out of it. Sometimes they show up and we just talk about life and we don't get into the content as much. Other times we go through an agenda that we have where we're talking about, for example, this, this month we're looking at Paul and what it looks like for um, Saul, who was a huge sinner right? He persecuted uh, the oh, church. Yeah. What did that look like? What does that look like for us? And I think for us, it's it's a saving grace to let us see that we haven't sinned too bad, that God doesn't love us and that he can't use us. And with that, um, then you see where Paul just became one of the greatest evangelizers in the world in history. And so what does that mean for us today? So as we talk through that type of content, um, we brainstorm about what can we do practically today, whether it's let's go next door and meet your neighbor or write a letter to somebody, just very basic practical tips that you kind of think, well, that's elementary or it's too basic, but really at the heart of it, it's about relationships with people and we don't need to overcomplicate it. Right. It is all about relationship. And that, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't see that. And that's where they miss so much because without having a, a constant relationship with Jesus and God, and God, <laughs> I mean, they're one and the same, and but different. I mean, right. um, you you don't see the value of what He's done for you because you're ignoring. of the whole idea. I mean, God wants a relationship with you. He created you. He loves you. And he wants you to be united with him, you know, constantly in conversation and gratitude and praise and glorifying everything you do to, to him. He gets the glory. I mean, without him, we have nothing. All the stuff we use, isn't possible without God. Exactly. And people, they will ask for prayer when they need it. And that's it. There's no relationship. Um, It's like, it's like a savings account that you have for an emergency and you're constantly ignoring that savings account because everything is fine. Your finances are fine. And then all of a sudden a big bill comes and you have to tap into it. 
Well, it's kind of like how life is. Um, life's cool, and then something bad happens, and then you're tapping into God. Yes. Well, he's not going to, I mean, he's there, but he's not there like he is when you have a constant rapport, a constant relationship, a constant dialogue. And without that, prayers really don't get answered. I mean, he's just not going to, okay, where you been? You know, here you go. He's not going to do that. It's, it's, you have to constantly be with him and not only in a relationship, but doing his will here on earth. I mean, his will for us is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And and if we're not doing that and we're not in a relationship with him, when we're not doing anything that he wants us to do, those prayers are not going to get answered as much as you want. Yeah. Well, being the church is, if we go back, even go back with Paul, you know, with the early church, it wasn't that they went to church on Sunday and then they had a different job. It was that they were the church. So that's, I think it's a, it's a disconnect that we have today where we think, okay, I'm going to go to church or even I'm going to work in ministry. Um, we can do ministry. We can be the church seven days a week. We can do it wherever we are, whatever our job is. And it's a matter of how do we do that? And how do we do it in a practical, easy way? And um, because if we make it too hard, people give up. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it does take some courage and boldness, especially in the beginning. Um, I remember working in corporate and at one point in time, Everyone stopped saying, God bless you when someone sneezed. It was like, it just happened. And I thought it really bothered me. And um, I mean, this went on for years. And I remember we'd have guests in the office and somebody would, we had 3000 people in the office. So somebody would sneeze and um, the guest would say, no one said, God bless you. I'm like, I know (laughs) (laughs) because it, it makes a difference. Right. And we think, Oh, that's, it's trivial. That's just a little elementary thing. We don't have to do that. Um, but it makes a difference. And so at at that point, then I just decided, okay, I'm just going to say it. And so you have to have that courage to be the first person to speak up and say, God bless you. And then after you do it, you know, five, 10 times, it becomes more easy and uh, other people start to join in too, because you're not the only one that feels like that. Yeah. Uh, that's very common in Ohio, actually, when someone sneezes. There's always someone who's going to say, God bless you. Um, yeah. Or just bless you or whatever. But um, I never really understood why that is. Um, I think I think the whole m- myth behind it or the reason behind it is something about your heart stops for a second when you sneeze or so, and you still lived. So God bless. I don't, I can't, I can't exactly remember what I was told. Do you know? I don't know. The reason behind it. I I think it's something like that, but I don't know. I was raised in Kentucky, so it was common for us to do it there. But when we moved to the Midwest, it didn't happen. Right. And now it's Kentucky's, Kentucky's not considered Midwest. See, Ohio is, but Mm -hmm. we're very not geographically there. Just north of where I lived in Kentucky. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the temperature is probably very different in Colorado as far as. Oh yeah. It's not humid. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> not that kind of temperature, the temperature of, um, Christianity. Um, I don't know the people out that way. I haven't experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the people in, in this side of the world is, I, I find them a lot of kindness. I, I, um, I see a lot of Christianity, whether they're true Christians, you know, true Christ followers or just the label. Mm -hmm. But, um, and there's parts of this country that you can go where you just don't see it. And you see a lot of negativity and anger and hatred and, and the people that frown upon Christianity. How's it like out there? Where I'm at right now is much better. Um, we're in Colorado Springs, so it's Mm -hmm. like a Christian Mecca. We have a lot of ministries here where we came from was in Iowa. And when we first moved there, right during the recession in 2009, we were being told it's a great place to raise a family. And so we got there, we enjoyed it. It was nice. Um, but towards the end of our time, we were there about 10 years. We noticed that God was missing. And things were different than it was when we first got there. Um, There were billboards for drag queen bingo on the way to my son's school. There was um, a lot of things that were just not what you would call biblically acceptable happening right in front of you all day long. Wow. And so I, I did some research and I saw that it actually pinned our town, Pew Research did, as one of the most godless places in America. Oh, wow. And it was because, you know, we were basically bookended it with two universities. We had the University of Iowa and Iowa State University, and they thought that um, between the two, it was causing this big, um, you know, divide between the Christians, they, we were just, I'd call it oppression. We were just basically told to be quiet, sit down and be quiet. You can be Christian. You can go to church, but don't bring it out in the community. Don't take it to work. Don't take it to school. That's terrible. Yeah. So it was very different. Um, And by the time we left, we were really feeling the pressure of, do we stay here and try to be a light or do we leave and try to be, you know, a light from the outside where we can maybe make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. So that's part of where the ministry started is I just felt that wrestling inside of um, this is a Christian nation or it used to be. And yet here I was in the middle of the country and I was feeling like I was being persecuted. One way to look at it is that's where you should be because that's where they need it the most. Mm-hmm. But God told Paul to get out of, I forget where, um, Jerusalem, maybe I could be wrong. I wish the pastor was here. Um, <laughs> you see that a lot in scripture. If Jesus went into a town and they rejected him or they, they didn't uh, welcome him per se, he would leave and go to the next town. And I think at least for me, you can only withstand that sort of loneliness and harassment, mm-hmm. um, persecution, if you want to call it that for so long. And it really wears on you. 
So to move out of there and get into a place where you feel like you're surrounded by Christians, you know, now if I go to the grocery store or I go to get my hair done, people say, oh, what church do you go to? It's just common narrative to talk about church, to talk about Jesus, to say, let me pray for you. Um, That was not the case there. So here I feel like it gives me that, um, fuel. It kind of fills me up Mm -hmm. with the spirit. I feel like I'm surrounded by my people and then I can go out and I can do this work in places that, that need, um, need people to be bold and courageous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think when your community kind of gives you the confidence to go out and talk about it, um, it makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it does. It's hard to go where you're hated. Yes. And it's dangerous. Yes, it is. It is. And if you do that 24 seven, you know, for years and years, you feel like, well, one, you know, imposter syndrome sets in, it sets in with me all the time. And I think it's part of our ministry is, um, I feel like, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I the right person to do this? And then I do have people that come around me. Um, I needed to form a prayer team when I started the ministry because of that sort of spiritual warfare. And so I have people that come around me that say, yes, you know, God chose you to do this and we need you to do this. And that meant leaving my corporate job. So it meant leaving a six figure job to basically, you know, make $316 a year per person uh, (laughs) so that I can, you know, come alongside people and equip them and support them to be Christian in America. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, it's very much you following God because that's, what's important to him. It's not the money you can make. It's the people you can bring to him. Yes, absolutely. I just did a study on Solomon looking at how much wisdom Solomon had. He had more money than anyone in the world and he he really sought happiness with worldly possessions. He had hundreds of wives, hundreds of horses, thousands of horses, actually. He had everything with um, gold in his palace. He just had so much stuff that we would think, well, if I just had that, it's going to make me happy. It's going to make me feel like my life matters. And at the end of his life, he writes in Ecclesiastes, you know, vanity of vanities. He spent his whole life trying to be happy with worldly possessions. And at the end, he realized he needed to put God first Mm -hmm. and he didn't always do that. Um, You know, his palace was much, much larger than the temple that he built for God. And so you would think that time after time after time, again, we see people that go through this, they have all the money, all the wealth, power, fame. And then on their deathbed, they say, I should have put God first. None of this matters, but God needs to be first. That's right. You can't take it with you. No, not at all. If you're not with God and following God and believing in Jesus Christ, you're not only going to lose your riches and stuff, but you're going to lose your salvation. You're going to. Yeah. Go to hell. Go to hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a double negative. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) Um, 
Let's see. So where do people find you? What's your website? Hiskingdommatters.com. Hiskingdommatters.com. Mm-hmm. Now, are you also on so, uh, other platforms like Instagram and Facebook? I am. Facebook, know, LinkedIn, social, um, Instagram. And I have a website, also um, where we have blog posts that feed into His Kingdom Matters. So we're trying to get the word out and spread it. So thanks for the podcast opportunity here Absolutely. to spread the word some more. Um, but yeah, His Kingdom Matters, it's... It's a ministry that, um, I think it's a ministry that matters. We're just in such a place in the world, in America specifically, where I think a lot of Christians are noticing that we've been quiet for too long, uh, maybe too comfortable, and it's time to, you know, take a leap of faith, be bold and courageous, talk to your neighbor, um, you know, think about where you're investing your time and money and is that investment going to further the kingdom of God or is it going against that? And so even making decisions about where you spend your time and money mm-hmm. is part of what we talk about with his kingdom matters. Yeah. Now some people have, you know, they, they have a good church they go to, they have a Bible study, they attend, they do outreaches. This is all the stuff that we kind of do at our church. Um, Every Tuesday we stand outside and with cards or signs and everything. And um, we do a Bible study every Wednesday. And so a lot of people have that involvement already and may not need what you're offering, but want to support you. Mm -hmm. Is there a way they can just donate Yeah, and not sign up for the program itself? Absolutely. They can go to um, hiskingdommatters.com and get on my email subscription list. Um, We can also do Venmo or PayPal donations. Mm -hmm. So they just need to email me with that. And my email is drdebra at drdebradeen.com. Okay, awesome. Now, before we go, I I got, this is kind of fun. I got this um, gift from the pastor's wife. Uh, It's called Talking Point Cards for Christians. And I'm going to pull out a random card here. Okay. And we'll see what it, what happens. I don't. There's color. There's color coding. I'm not sure what the difference is yet. This is kind of a whole new thing here. But I'm going to pull one of these out and ask you a question. No pressure. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to what extent should religious education be included in school curriculums? That's a good one, especially mm. nowadays. Wow. So I think it should be integrated in every single classroom. I have uh, six kids and four grandkids, and this is a, I'm a big advocate for integrating scripture in the classroom with um, there's a company here locally called ACSI that does that intentionally. They integrate scripture in the curriculum. And so let's say you're in math class, it will talk about, you know, God's purpose in numbers and the order of numbers and how that became part of creation. If you're in science class, they talk about maybe weather and you're looking at 
tornadoes and earthquakes and fires and all these natural catastrophes. And they talk about how God is all powerful and he's in control and how he can control the wind and he can control the rain. And they bring in scripture like that. And it gives the kids a good foundation because frankly, um, not all kids are going to church these days. And if they do go to church, they may not be getting enough biblical content at church that they can one, argue their faith, um, and, and, you know, be apologetic with it to know if you're in, let's say you're in a science class and they're talking about Darwinism and you're looking, you're learning about creationism. Well, how can you argue the two? So it gives the kids a real good sense of truth and, um, biblical values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's awesome that they're doing that. Uh, They basically have taken religion air quotes out of the church completely. I mean, out of the schools completely. Mm -hmm. Um, and what you're creating is little atheist that, and they're confused. Yeah. And so you got, they're hearing one thing from this side and one thing from that side and, and they don't have any structure to put it all together and Mm -hmm. they're not getting taught in the school. So it makes it less important. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if God is so amazing, then why aren't they telling me about that where I learn everything? Right. So it, that causes more confusion. Which it, even Christian schools have that. I, um, I've done a lot of research trying to find the right schools for my kids to go to. And, and even a lot of Christian schools are not integrated. They may have a Bible class. Um, but in that Bible class, you might have 20 minutes where you pray and you, you hear a Bible story, but it's not integrating it into all of the, um, other curriculum. And so you don't really know how to apply that to your life if you don't do that. Right. Mm Yeah. That was a good one. I'm glad I pulled that card out. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think we should, I think, I don't know, man, I think, uh, if I was governor of a state, uh, it would be a mandate that all schools had God. I agree. And I think if we look at the stats with, um, you know, depression and suicide and crime rates, when they started taking God out of school, crime rates went up, depression rates went up, mm-hmm. suicide rates went up. It's the people, if you look at the studies and you see those that are really involved in church, not just show up on Sunday and go home, but like you said, you're at church, you're involved in your Bible studies, you have these activities that you do on Tuesday. People that are making their relationship with Jesus their own and having that real in, in-depth in relationship, um, those suicide rates are lower. Those crime rates are lower. Depression rates are lower. And it gives you... It lets you know, you know, that's God's purpose for us. He wants that relationship with us. And when we don't have it, our life's a mess. <laughs> oh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> Been yeah. there, done that. It's a mess without him. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we all know that the devil has his fingers in everything from politics to the school system to what we see on television so it doesn't surprise me that it's been taken away and it's frowned upon and the television is like 
a sin generator. Absolutely. So. Good phrase. It's accurate. Yeah. I was pretty happy with that. (laughs) I had to write that one down. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We, uh, we haven't watched TV like normal TV since, well, since we moved during the recession. So 2009, we stream it from the internet. And so we're watching old stuff, you know, Andy Griffith show and flipper and, um, more wholesome television that helps you to stay, sensitive to the world. When you're watching everything they have on regular TV, you become desensitized and you don't realize how far gone you've gone um, until you detox. You know, even if you detoxed from television and social media for a month and you come back, then you think, ooh, what's that? Why do they have that on there? It really shocks you. Uh, Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's been months since I've watched television, maybe, maybe a year or more. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll watch YouTube videos, but I choose. You choose. I choose. And, and it's, it's stuff that's Christian based. Mm -hmm. 90, 90% of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So you don't get that choice when you're flipping on the television show and, they no. decide what they're going to feed you. And it may be so subtle yes. that you don't even realize it. And that's the way it's been for years. It's it's all these subtle cues. And when you look back yes. at what you've watched in the past and you're like, oh my goodness. And yes. it, it makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense why, why things are the way they are. It does. And getting worse. Mm-hmm. It does. I've often wondered, was there someone in, like in control of this? And there was clearly there was, um, but right. was there someone in control of this that was, like you said, making those subtle tweaks, even in the eighties mm-hmm. and the nineties where before that it was, you couldn't see, I mean, you couldn't see Elvis on stage gyrate from the hips down because it was inappropriate. And then all of a sudden you have people sleeping together right right there on TV. So during daytime television, (laughs) so you think, well, how did that progression happen? And, um, you know, now you see what's out there today. So you just know that someone is in control doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think whoever created it in the first place had an agenda. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and slowly crept it in. Yes. Well, doctor, (laughs) (laughs) um, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Best of luck. Well, I'll pray for your ministry, and um, I hope it really explodes for you and and you reach a lot of people. and oh, before I go, uh, before you go, um, I'm not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> you, I read on your website that you give your your subscribers podcasts to listen to. Mm-hmm. So please, by all means, <laughs> yes. I mean, this may buy this isn't your mama's Christian podcast, but it's a good one, and they'll learn some stuff. So if you want to exactly pass this along to your subscribers, that'd be awesome. I'm always looking for new new folks to listen to the show. Yes, I will definitely do that. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And with that, you have an amazing evening, the rest of your evening. And uh, God be with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to the episode with Dr. Deborah Dean. That was a lot of fun. And so we had an episode not too long ago about monetizing Christianity ministries. I definitely wanted to get a little insight and just kind of, you know, have a conversation with somebody that was doing ministry and had a little monetization going on with that ministry and to see why sometimes in order to do the ministry, you have to earn an income to keep yourself going. Uh, it's, it doesn't, it isn't cheap. And she left a great job in order to do this ministry. And for that reason, I completely support her journey. Um, because without donations and without some kind of subscription based product, she, her ministry is cut down to very little. And the reality is we need more of it. Being able to communicate Christ to people an hour or two out of your week isn't enough. But when you can, when you can put all your efforts into a full-time weekly, daily ministry, you can get the word out to more people and you'll be able to just reach more people. And, and we need more of that. We need to reach as many people as possible. So God bless her for what she's doing and God bless her ministry. And I hope it, I hope it really grows because not only is she teaching people, but those people will teach people and those people will teach people and we can get the word of God out. Following Jesus is the absolute best thing anybody can do. And the more people we can bring that light to them, the better this world will be. So with that, um, we're going to end this show. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Um, don't miss an episode. We always have some great, great topics to talk about and great guests to talk with. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. Hey!